At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hey, and welcome back to this week's edition of Net Zero Carbon, the show at Freight Waves where we deep dive on decarbonization and sustainability. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and today I'm joined by Pawan Joshi, Executive Vice President of Products and Strategy for E2 Open. Pawan, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm very well. Really, really glad to get you on the show. The more that we've discussed offline about what E2 Open is as a platform and what you can do to impact sustainability, I've just gotten more and more excited to have the conversation and let the listeners in. So thanks for taking the time today. Absolutely. Glad to be part of the show. Why don't we start with a little bit of background and intro? Can you just give a, you know, an elevator speech on your background in the industry and E2 Open as a as a company. Sure. I've been with uh, the company about 20 years. Um, in my current role, I'm responsible for all our products and strategy. Uh, prior to E2 Open, I spent about three years at IT Technologies. And before that, finished off my doctoral studies from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a focus on you know distributed systems and supply chain, which is really what supply chains are all about. So um, I've been fortunate to be at E2Open for 20 years. And, you know, a lot of the learnings that I had uh, while I was doing my studies and then, you know, the experience that I had working with customers uh, has been the basis of what we try to do at E2Open uh, in terms of our platform, our approach, um, and also view of the supply chain from a true end-to-end perspective, uh, which is really about how we help our clients bring their products and services to market, not just how they manufacture things, but also how they move things around and how they distribute it. So that's really what we built the platform for um, doing over the last 20, 23, 24 years. Exciting. And it's it's gargantuan at this point. You guys have grown a lot over the last decade, uh, organically and through acquisition. And it can be it can be complex. You're right. When we talk about end-to-end supply chain, there's, I mean, how many, how many constituents are on the platform today between suppliers and customers? It's got to be in the six, seven digits, right? Yeah. So if you if you think about you know the the scope of what we cover, we've got about four hundred and forty thousand entities that are connected on the network. We've got north of um, you know I would say about a thousand plus customers and counting. I'm not going to count the you know the smaller ones. So it's a massive scale, and you know the the uh, the kind of uh, solutions we provide all go all the way from you know looking at the supply base and how do you make sure you know our customers have the right ingredients and raw materials across, you know, not just their tier ones, but tier two, tier three, tier fours, as deep as you want to go in terms of constraints. And then on the other side, how we help our customers sell their products, right? Most of our customers don't sell their products directly to you and me. They sell it through, you know, intermediaries, retailers, distributors, value-added resellers. So, you know, that's the spectrum on the two bookends. But in the middle is really how people moving products around. So we've got, you know, thousands and thousands of carriers and forwarders that are involved. And then we also cover a very broad range of uh, customs and global trade compliance. You know, in, in this day of globalization, products and, and raw materials and components cross borders. And every time you cross borders, you've got to comply to their rules and regulations. So while we think about supply chain as a you know clean flow of information, 
the borders do tend to gum up supply chains and their non-supply chain events. So you got to look at the flow of goods um, in that perspective. So we built a platform that actually covers that entire end-to-end view. And yes, it's grown pretty quick and the problem is pretty dramatic. But our belief always is that you can't look at, you, you'll solve problems piecemeal and, and you'll give, get to a suboptimal answer if you just break the problem into silos. So our view has always been how do we get as end-to-end as pros- possible? How do we get as complete information as possible into the platform, uh, into into the decision-making process? And more importantly, how do you actually make that decision process more holistic? So not just me and my customer, me uh, as a customer deciding what everybody should do, but how do I actually bring in all my stakeholders, people that I rely on to produce, uh, you know, my my products and services? But I mean, if you look at about 90, 95% of all activity that uh, associated with bringing goods and services to market happens outside the brand owner's enterprise. So you cannot just sit there and say, I'm going to plan for the rest of the 95% of people that are helping me. You've got to bring them into the picture. So that's really what we think about end to end. And that's really what we've been on the journey on for the last you know, 24 years of uh, 23, 24 years of Vito. And I'm sure there's many more years of challenges to be solved in the future because it's not a simple issue. The complexity is massive. And it's interesting to hear that when you talk about global trade flows and go- global um, complexities of the supply chain, uh, I always, in this show at least, I'm trying to pivot into, all right, how do we how do we put a sustainability spin on that? How do we think about the impact of that? And what you just mentioned is extremely relevant. We can't make decisions in silos and find suboptimal solutions. This is kind of that scope three language that most people uh, are shy of because it's so complex and so assuming, but it's the entire value chain. And so I'm interested to dive into how E2Open is tackling some sustainability problems because that is the nut everybody's trying to crack. It's how do we figure out impact across the entire value chain? So that's exciting to hear that that's the exposure and the problem you're already working on. Yeah. No, so we, you know, I look at sustainability along two dimensions, right? One is you got to make your processes as sustainable as possible, right? In, in terms of minimal impact, um, you know, in, on, on the planet or on, on, you know, take whatever it is on the universe. That's one dimension, but you know you you cannot you cannot go to a beach and say I don't want a footprint on a beach, right? You you are in on the beach, so you got to minimize your footprint. So at some point in time, you got to think about sustainability also from the perspective of commerce. So you cannot just say at the expense of commerce you're going to make something sustainable. So I look at that as can you keep commerce sustainable and can you do commerce in a sustainable fashion? So it's really that intersection. So, so for me, supply chain and and so you, as we start thinking about it. It's really at the heart of sustainability, right? What are we doing to bring goods and services to market and how can we do it at the minimal impact on the planet, on the universe and and do it in the most sustainable fashion from a commerce standpoint, which means I can exist as a business, but also do it in the most sustainable fashion that I, I minimize the impact um, of, of, you know, adverse impact of, you know, whatever my activity is. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. That's a great mindset to come at this problem from, right? That's the definition of sustainable. How are we meeting today's needs without sacrificing tomorrow's opportunity? Um, and global supply chains have that opportunity to address that issue. So when I think about what you guys do and where you fit in the ecosystem, maybe let's 
take it from theory and make it a little more practical. So when when companies and customers come to E2 Open and executives at those companies are looking to make strategic supply chain decisions, how can E2 Open impact a more sustainable supply chain for some of those customers? Yeah, so it, it's, it really starts by you know breaking the problem down. Most people that come to E2 Open come to solve you know a burning problem. That burning problem is not I don't I need an end to end platform. Like that becomes the end result of the evolution, right? Nobody says I need an end to end platform to connect you know everything that I have, and I need it now, and it needs to be turned on tomorrow. It's a, it's a journey, right? So they typically come to us with a burning problem. I have a transportation problem. I have a trade problem. I have a supply problem. I have a component tr- problem. I have a sales problem. Um, I have a fulfillment problem. Now, in that in that vein, some of our customers come and say, you know, I also need a sustainability solution. Like that's an amorphous thing. What is a sustainability solution? Our vision always has to be: you got to incorporate and make the individual operations and functions more sustainable, with the vision of making it more and more holistic. So I'll give transportation as an example. Right? We want to look at our transportation and say, look, we want to minimize our greenhouse gas impact, carbon emissions. You know, we want to minimize that. So any transportation move that we make, we want to minimize that. So, which is a really great thing. So I, as I'm walking in and solving a transportation need or a logistics need. I'm going to help select, you know, the least, um, you know, uh, impact mode from a uh, uh, sustainability perspective, without sacrificing, let's say, on-time delivery performance or in-time and full performance. So that's my thing. But it it becomes a little bit bigger if you really look at, you know, where the value prop is. You, know, you can you can reduce the impact on the environment if you look at, you know, origin and destination and say I want to get there in time. But where the biggest impact in my mind is to say. Look, do I actually have to get there on the time that has been prescribed to me, right? So if I look at my transportation department and say I'm going to be measured on sustainability, let's say my foot, my carbon footprint, my emissions footprint, and I'm going to be measured on on-time delivery performance. So what am I going to do? Any shipment that's running late, I'm going to start expediting it, and I'm going to say, but it's coming going to coming on an ocean mode, you know, maybe the, or or a barge, you know, the lowest impact from an emissions and uh, sustainability perspective. And if it is running late, and my in my language, which is it has to be here, get it done here. I'm going to st- figure out a way to expedite it. I'm going to put it on the road or put it on air and try to expedite it, which means I'm going to increase my my footprint. Now, what makes it really interesting is what if I actually able to connect to the picture at the destination? The shipment that's running late may not need to be expedited if I had awareness of how much inventory was at the destination. If I had excess. And it was enough to deal with the two-day, three-day, one-week delay. Then I don't really need to 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 expedite it. So on one hand, I can impact my sustainability needs, but my departmental KPIs go out of whack. So that's the reason for us to start thinking about this problem more holistically, right? By the same token, I could also think about a shipment that's running on time that actually needs to be expedited. Why? Because I, that that product was doing really great, and I actually oversold it uh, with respect to my my forecast that I had. So in that particular case, I cannot have okay my KPIs around sustainability are great, but my business sustainability, my commerce sustainability goes down. So these things are so intertwined that we need to start thinking along those lines. So when when a customer or a prospect walks into us, it's really being able to explain that you know it's not an overlay on sustainability. It is not or it is an and you got to think about these things together and the more holistically you think about it the more impact you can have like i keep saying the biggest impact on sustainability is to not do things like if you actually did not go to the beach you'd never have a footprint on the beach right so do you need to go to the beach today i don't know maybe i don't like let's find out is there an alternative way for me to do it the great example of this is 
I, I forecasted six months ago, I needed 10 units to be at that particular location. Now, if I continue to operate on that forecast from six months ago, I may continue to say I need it that way. But if I actually continue to refine my forecast as it goes closer and closer to my transportation needs, I might decide that I actually don't need that 10 units that day. So why even spend that time doing that, right? So it's really to be able to think about the problem holistically and really think about sustainability as let's avoid what we don't need to do first, right? And then what we need to do, let's be very careful about, do we really need to do it? Because yesterday I thought I might need to do it. Do I need to do it today or not? Right? That whole real-time concept of being able to get information to make decisions holistically is at the core of not just efficient supply chains, but at the core of sustainable supply chains, both from a commerce standpoint, as well as from an environmental impact standpoint. Completely agree. And there's a couple a couple comments there that I would make to your example. One, having that data is first and foremost the initial starting point, right? If you're not measuring it, then none of this matters. Um, so having that embedded in the system, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell us what E2Open has as far as like carbon accounting or emissions calculation is involved. But the second point I want to make is around, um, it, it, your story takes me back to like supply chain education and thinking about optimizing for costs and running models and thinking about uh, demand forecasting and how that impacts transport. And as a, you know, a, a green student coming out into the world, you're quickly hit in the face by how difficult those calculations actually are because you don't have access to the data because they exist in silos either within your organization or externally. And so it's exciting to hear, and I'd love uh, some examples of how E2Open enables this, that cross-functional data sharing access and exchange, allowing that decision-making, like how do you orchestrate that among suppliers? Is that why E2Open exists? Absolutely. I think I I was just going to say, if you go way back to E2Open's foundation, that is exactly how we were founded. We were founded as a consortium by a set of high-tech companies right at the peak of when they were selling their factories and creating this concept of contract manufacturing at scale, right? And these companies got together. Um, The brand owner basically sold the factories over to, to the contract manufacturers and very quickly realized that they were actually collecting customer orders on one side, but they had very little visibility into what capacity was available at the factory because yesterday it was their own, their, their own people and their own thing. They could actually look into it and say, my systems told me what, what factory and capacity I have. And now I've severed that link, it becomes somebody else's problem. And that I don't even know how much components are coming into that factory, right? It's no longer my factory. So I know don't have visibility into capacity. I don't even have visibility into components. So Edo Open was founded precisely to solve the problem where brand owner, a bunch of contract manufacturers, the tier two, tier three suppliers came together and said, let's create this consortium. And two things, three things actually were very quickly realized. One was you cannot put this kind of technology or this platform that connects everything inside a premise. It has to be outside the premise overarching everybody else. So that was our foundation was in the cloud 24, 25 years ago. There's no concept of a cloud. We were born in the cloud. We actually said this is the only way to solve it. Uh, the second premise that we said was it's very important not just to be in the cloud, but it is to connect to systems, not humans getting data back and forth, but really make this a, a, an automated system. So how do we actually connect to the systems in a reusable fashion so that tomorrow, if I plug in another contract manufacturer, I don't have to rewire everything. And tomorrow, as as, as a company to open, if I bring in another customer, I don't have to rewire that customer supply chain if the entity is already wired into the concept. So the core concept of a network was very, very important for us, and that's what we established very much since the beginning. And that found the foundation of exactly what you described as data, right? The reason why we did that was you cannot make decisions holistically across these these multiple tiers if you don't have access to data. And if that data is 
not flowing in a sustainable fashion. It, if it becomes a headache for people to constantly upload information manually, they're not going to do it. So how do you actually automate that process? That was the core fundamental foundation of our platform, the network. And then the third thing was then how do you overlay the applications on top of it that make those decisions, right? So if I'm in transportation and I have, I'm just optimizing transportation, interesting, I can get some value there. But what if I actually knew the origin and destination inventory? What if I knew that when the truck pulled up today, um, whether the sh whether the product was ready to be shipped or not? Like the truck pulled up and nobody told the truck, hey, that shipment, that, that particular production line was running late and it's two weeks late. Like you went there only to return back. So not only did you impact the environment, you impacted the commerce around sustainability of that, right? So that was really at the core of it. So that's that if you think about and, and you look at our architecture, that's really the foundation. You got a network, you got applications. And then on top of that, we really have created a way in which you can collaboratively bring in uh, entities and users across those entities across multiple tiers. So the core foundation of if 80, 90% of the activity happens outside your four walls in your supply chain, then why would you not want to bring in all the people that are running those 80, 90% of the activities in a collaborative fashion, permission fashion, but a collaborative fashion to make decisions on your behalf? You can never, I could be sitting here as a brand owner and saying, hey, expedite that shipment two tiers down, but I don't know whether that shipment is expeditable or not, because I don't know if it's still at the dock or not. I don't know if it has actually left the dock, whether it's deconsolidated or deconsolidated. So that's really, going back to your question, that's really how we looked at data. That's how we looked at our applications. That's how we looked at the collaborative framework. So that's really, you know, the last 20, 25 years, we've been continuing to refine this approach, but this approach is what we believe is core to, you can call it digitization, you can call it end-to-end, -end, you could call it automation, you can call it, you know, optimal, you know, global optimal, whatever whatever term you want to use, this is, I think, is at the core of improving the efficiency of the commerce and then making the commerce sustainable and making sustain putting sustainability back into commerce. Thank you for sharing that. It's a really interesting time to be in the industry from a sustainability lens because the word you just mentioned, collaboration, is key in front of everybody's minds. I think we all recognize how difficult it is to transition to a low carbon future. And doing it on your own more than it ever has been, has been proven to be even more difficult. And so you see a lot of this in the news today where people are saying, hey, we'll, we'll collaborate with our competitors. How do we buy like low carbon freight solutions, for an example? How do we create a demand signal to incent that change upstream? And in that future looking world where collaboration is more and more important, the question back to Easy Open is, are we seeing customers is that impacting their ability to onboard to a platform like E2Open and contract and request more and more fair data exchange and access to enable that sort of decision-making? Like how are customers interacting with E2Open from a collaboration type standpoint? Yeah, I think I think our core philosophy really here um, at E2Open starts with, okay, let's define your business process, irrespective of where the functional boundaries and your enterprise boundaries start or end, right? So when you start thinking along that fundamental level, all of a sudden now, how do you actually power that business process? The powering of that business process comes from data. That's how you light it up, right? So once, you, once you're once you able to do that, then our, our philosophy really is come as you are in terms of data. So don't, we are not going to be prescribing on our platform. We don't prescribe a standard. We, we have a standard. We won't prescribe a standard and say that's the only way you do it. And this is not, in, not only in terms of how you connect, but also in terms of how you send data or the format in which you send data. So we are come as you are approach. So that takes away some of the barrier to participation and really helps our customers start focusing on the business process. Now, the business process, again, could be around, well, I want I want commerce enabled, 
But the very uh, the whole discussion we've been having is the very next outcome of that is what is the what is the sustainability around and, and footprint around that commerce, right? I don't know two, three, four years upstream in terms of what does it take to actually get you know up, you know silica out of the ground. But somebody who's doing that knows that, and I need to understand that in order for me to say you know how much of that footprint is is there in my laptop, right? I need to know how much of that footprint around lithium is in my automotive, um, in in the car that I'm I'm selling, right? I want to understand that how much chromium is there, how much cadmium is there, and that really, if you start bringing down, goes back. Same thing around, you know, how much of GMO stuff versus non-GMO stuff is there in my in my product. Like the the pattern you can start seeing gets repeatable across multiple industries, but the format and the architecture, I think, is is really the key to it. The attributes will keep changing. The data will will have a certain core aspect, but uh, you know additional attributes depending on industry and what part process you're doing. But the fundamental thing you 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 mentioned scope three. That is the fundamental way of how do you make scope three sustainable. Right? If you put a hand, if you put want to put your arms around scope three, it really starts out by saying it's not scope three as an overlay. Like it's not a reporting thing. It has to be a part of how information gets exchanged, transaction by transaction, purchase order by purchase order, sales order by sales order, transport order. By transport order, that's the only way to make this, you know, a part of a decision-making process. How far away for how far away are we from a future where um, SKU-level products have an accurate, verifiable passport that goes along with them? And and I'm thinking of more from a, a carbon-type lens, especially with regulations popping up on you know border adjustment and the importance of knowing the carbon intensity of your products have never been more important and likely will continue to be so. So. How does that future look from E2 Open's standpoint? I think I think there'll be an evolution around you know the the uh, level of granularity and accuracy around you know some of those things, right? It has to be. You cannot just flip a switch and say overnight it's going to happen because at, at the end of the day, it has to be incrementally built up. For me, the most promising thing is that there is awareness right now and there's a desire, right? And that desire and awareness is not just coming from government regulations; it's actually coming from the brands themselves and and people who are consuming those brands to say, look, this is important for us. It's important for our, our planet. We've got to do something about it. Now, what is it that we want to do will take time. And I think the desire to actually be able to, at, at some level, to begin with, it'll start off by saying, look, this is how much I have. Let's allocate it down to products along along a certain dimension. Certain areas, we will, we will be very clear. Like transportation is a great example. From and to, I know how much, you know, what mode I used. I know exactly what you know, path I took and I can, you know, kind of get the carbon footprint for it. And I can say this is what it's attributed to. But if I go three, four, five years down, let's say think, think semiconductor manufacturing, for instance, if you tie this back to a single chip, it has to start out with the, the, the silicon mining process that happened and the ingot that was produced that was sliced into wafers that had billions of dyes on it that actually translated into, you know, one chip. So of course, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, math and aggregation and disaggregation around that process, which is okay. I think the important thing is not to be lost in the preciseness and the accuracy of the information. It should be really around the intent that we're trying to do and over a period of time continue to improve on it as you go along. That's an important message to the industry. It's it, We get a lot of flack in the industry for measurement and reporting being full of estimates and aggregates. And that's true, but that's better than not doing it. And we are continuing to improve those estimates and shrinking margins of error all the time. Exactly, and I and I and I think the important thing you you touched upon this right there it it'll be driven in in some ways by companies coming together and forming consortiums to say this is in the greatest good of us so competitors coming together and saying look we got to do this 
And in other cases, it has to be forced to government regulations, right? I mean, and it's, it's that yin and yang between, you know, recognizing that there is an external impetus to change. And then there is an internal impetus to say, look, there is benefit, benefits for everybody if you transition out of this mode to another mode. Exactly right. I hate to end on the thought of additional government regulation, but it is important to say uh, that push is needed just as much as the corporate and the customer pull is needed for the intent of getting this out. So thanks for breaking that down for us. And uh, we could do this for another two hours. I find this fascinating, but we don't have that kind of time, unfortunately. So why don't I leave you with this, Paul, and I ask every guest that comes on the show, why, why is this important to you? Why, when you get up and go to work, does it matter that sustainability is a piece of your job? Yeah, you know, I was, uh, that's a great question. And uh, every time we talk about sustainability, there's this thought that comes to mind. When I was in grad school in Wisconsin, um, I attended a talk by um, by a professor who started the talk by saying, you know, we, we don't uh, inherit the hurt from our, uh, from our ancestors, we borrow it from our kids, right? That for me is is fascinating because, you know, we've made tremendous amount of progress as a as a as a race as as an as a species, but we, if we want to continue to have the species sustain uh, go on forever forever, we got to think about these things that we take for granted. Now we took them for granted for a long period of time, like and then that, that's the reason why we are where we are. But at some point in time, we got to become intelligent enough to say, look, we got to change. You cannot continue to take things for granted. And I'm not saying we stop commerce. What I'm really saying is let's be aware of what we're doing. I think the lack of awareness is what drives things in the direction. The moment you start becoming aware of it, we are all, you know, intelligent and logical and, and you know, beings, which will say, okay, let's not do those things because it's it's going, taking us, barreling us down the different path. So for me, when we talk about this, that's always the thing. You're not boring it. You're not inheriting it from our ancestors. We are actually borrowing it from, from our future inspiring and very, very true. Thank you for sharing. And thanks for letting me behind the scenes a little bit of what E2Open is doing in the space. I look forward to continuing to engage with you and bring you back, talk to our listeners about any new initiatives you have regarding sustainability. Great. Thank you for the opportunity, Dad. Great conversation. Appreciate it. Take care. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. 